Vodka. 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 Hey everyone, it's Amber Love and you are listening to Vodka O'Clock from AmberUnmasked.com. Don't forget that you can sponsor the show on the website at patreon.com slash amberunmasked and that's for as little as a dollar per week. Uh, what you will have today is uh, not someone joining me in an interview. This is my last New York Comic Con panel. It was called In My Day. They didn't have cosplay. And uh, what that is, to not to tell anybody that it's an anti-cosplay panel, um, it is actually a pro-cosplay panel. It was all about the history of costuming, bringing us up to where we are now, and just some of the things to you know that people think about. Um, it's it was a very visual panel, so I hope that just hearing the audio is still okay, especially uh, with the history of cosplay. There was a lot. There were a lot of cool pictures and photos and tears from old magazines and stuff like that that were projected. So I did take some of those pictures of their projector. If you go to the website and check out the show notes, if you're not listening to this directly through a streaming app. Um, so the panelists were. Uh, moderated, first of all, by Charles Battersby, who is probably the best moderator I've ever seen. Um, he keeps people on topic. Nobody was interrupted. The visuals were great. It was like a very well put together panel. And I think Charles's skill at moderating had a lot to do with that. Steve Bunch, who's a former DC and Marvel editor, cosplayers Kat Smith and Alita Pardalis, and photographer Anna Fisher. So, um, as, as I said, you can, you know, please go check the show notes because I will have some extra photos there for you to look at. And as always, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Elizabeth Amber. If you have any questions, you can leave them in the comments. And I appreciate you listening. I appreciate everybody that's been going to Patreon and sponsoring the show because uh, things have been going really well. So share those links. Um, tell your friends that you enjoy the show and the site and um the type of coverage that I've been able to provide to you. So since it's November, I just want to give you a heads up. November is National Novel Writing Month. We abbreviate that as NaNoWriMo. And that means that the guests that I'll have will probably be talking about that. So it's not to exclude anybody um, creatively, but uh, if we get NaNo-specific, it's just uh, another process that has to do with writing. It's a lot of people have these how to write your novel in X number of weeks type of plans. So the fact that this is done communally um, where you have a lot of support online just kind of makes it more fun and you feel less alone doing it. So it's not that it's um, not adaptable to other types of writing styles. And some of the people that I have on you know, will probably talk about how it didn't work for them as, at all and that's a great thing to hear i'm going to be you know trying it again this month so hopefully i can make it and um you know i i literally just finished editing the book from last year so <laughs> it's it was it took me that long to send send the draft out to beta readers and get feedback and get all kinds of um editing advice on it so um it was it did take me a whole year and now i'm ready to start again so i hope that you enjoy those episodes coming up and now uh check out the cosplay panel <laughs> Old people up here. 
we're not going to spend the next hour uh, whining about how these kids today don't know how good they got it. We're going to talk about the origins of cosplay dating back to the early 20th century uh, and the different subcultures that have embraced cosplay throughout the 20th century leading right up to the present. And we're going to talk about some of the futuristic technology that we have in the 21st century that wasn't available back when we was starting cosplay. Uh, I'm Charles Battersby. Um, I'm known for my Princess Peach cosplay, my uh, Catwoman cosplay, and I've been doing this for about 20 years. And when I am not cosplaying, I'm a playwright, an actor, and a video game. Shoddy Cast! Woo! As those of you who know Shoddy Cast in the Fallout 4 series, time one of the I have. And uh, let's meet our other panelists. Hi, I'm Steve Rush, former Marvel book editor, former DC and Vertigo editor, also Playing media Ronin. Long, long story short, I got into full cosplay things. What's not to love? You've got the people spending time to craft all this stuff and just bring the, the energy to it. So, hey, I love it. I'm Cat Smith. My title is Miss Nerd Styles, which I won because I made it up. I don't have to go to somebody else after a week, so there. Um, um, I I thought that I was mostly known for my River Song cosplay, and then I was wearing River to Thing, and people kept asking me if I was using the Cersei Lannister. So, <laughs> go figure. Yeah, no, they, when I'm Cersei, people ask me if I'm River Song. Oh. So it's, it's a thing. Um, they always recognize you for what you're not wearing. Um, when I am not cosplay, I am probably being ridiculous with the ukulele somewhere, and like, the way station or at cons and um, and I've been doing this for a day. I think it's better than that one. A really, really long freaking time. <laughs> <laughs> Of a couple of them, and Steve is going to tell us about some of these people. 
and the history of God's play way back in the early 20th century. All right, okay, so um, first of all, let's stop and think about what God's play is as far as we know. There's a considerable difference between just showing up your fancy dress ball, either whatever But what I think really separates cosplay from just ordinary you know, costumery or whatever would be its connection to whatever is out there in the popular media. And let's face it, a lot of I'm looking out here and I see people who are dressed up in outfits from film, television, gaming, you name it. So it's, it's that pop culture connection. And it, that goes as far back as at least the 30s, but in terms of actual photographic evidence, what we have here, the first photo, are any of you familiar with Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine? All right. So you know who Forrest K. Ackerman is? Okay. Oh, Forrest. So for those who don't know who Forrest K. Ackerman was, he was the guy who started Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine, which basically was the go-to place for those of us who are monster kids to learn everything about monster culture, sci-fi culture, that kind of stuff. But Forrest was, in my opinion, the original hardcore geek badass. <laughs> this guy was no joke. Loved and respected all of the genres. And that photo is of him from a 1939, I believe it is, convention, early, early convention of science fiction having to do with, you know, what we're then, you know, pulp magazines, things like that. And here he is dressed up as a futuristic character of not necessarily from anything, but it's just him going with his interest in the genre and therefore coming up with his own thing. I mean, what's not to like about that? Sheer creativity fostered by creativity, which is wonderful to see. And uh, next to that, we have from a bit, well, actually, no, let's go below. That Superman there is Superman from obviously way back in the day. And as you all know, Superman showed up originally in 1938, and within virtually no time became a pop culture phenomenon. That's, that's, I can't overstate it. But long story short, that's the actor who was, was hired to play Superman at the 1940 World's Fair. So it goes back that far, but even, even though he was a hired participant, let's face it, that is, in my opinion, a piece of cosplay. Good costume, first of all, especially for the era. You got your original S shield, and what is not to love about the simplicity of this design? Which, okay, let, let me grouse for a moment here. We've all seen Man of Steel, yes? Yes. Um, note that. Yes. <laughs> okay. To those of you who do cosplay and make your own costumes, you can design them. What was the main design flaw in Superman's gear in that movie? Not the X. Nope. Thank you. Right there. Basically, look at the outfit he's got on now. It's all blue except for the cape and boots. All right. You need the red panties to break up all of that blue. Just a simple design. Okay. I'm done. Stories, which was a science fiction pulp back in the days, and of course she was complete with 
being expected half-naked women in outer space floating around, you know, no space or anything, but they did have a key. <laughs> and now, uh, okay, this one's going to be kind of a surprise. Any of you out there uh, big comics fans? Like 60s comics? You know? I know what that guy is. You know. Okay, the there was a group called the Thunder Agents. The character in question, that's no man. I'm not going to try to explain it. It's a little bit complicated. But the interesting thing about this is that the shots from the 1960s at some convention, the person cosplaying him, that's none other than Marv Wolfman, who would later go on to write the classic Tomb of Dracula for Marvel Comics in the 70s, and then later co-create the new Teen Titans with George Perez. So, geekery begets geekery. Wait, we're just seeing this now? Well, I, I actually submitted another photo. I've got one of them as Aquaman from the 60s. Seriously. But at last, and definitely not least, stop to think about the logistics of pulling this off even back in the 70s. We have here a person as a part of the Green Men from Edgar Rice Burroughs' Barstool books. So, Did any of you ever see uh, the John Carter movie? Yeah. There you go. And imagine pulling this, that out, especially of that quality, pulling that off back in the 70s? Seriously, that's nothing less than breathtaking. In my opinion, for something of the 70s, that's as good as that guy who was running around yesterday in the Hulk Buster outfit. Did you guys see that? I mean, bloody hell! <laughs> so, long story short, this stuff's been around for a long time. Thankfully, it's not going anywhere. If anything, you know, there have been people who complain about how cosplay is allegedly co-opted by the media, corporations, and things like that. But stop and think about it. The imagination is in the hands of the people. Yes, we are getting things filtered to us through television, movies, the internet, gaming, you name it. But there are those of you out there rocking the Netflix, you are doing this for life. You are showing your love and interest in this media. Okay? So you guys are the ones who are out there representing it. Okay? So don't let anyone tell you it's all been co-opted and taken away by the man. You guys are the first soldiers. You're the ones who are making this a viable concern. Okay? So take yourself seriously and take pride in what you do. Alright? And we'll tell you you're a geek. Wear that geekness with pride.
That's why you go through the trouble. That's why you do it. So it just becomes, it becomes almost like a need. It becomes an expression uh, to, to express that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
whatever. And, and that was step one. Exactly. That was step one where you would incorporate it. You, the fans just started to they, they took it and began to make it an inclusive experience. And that was step one, the, the call and back. And then step two was somebody showed up dressed up as one of the characters. And everyone went, oh my god. And then more people started to do that. And then the next thing to do, the, the logical progression, was to get up in costume in front of the screen and act it out along with the movie and what we call a shadow cast. Um, and you know, that, that's the basics of what is rock and roll. That's a whole, beyond that is a whole other panel. <laughs> 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 and the makers of the movie did not intend for it to be a sing-along with audience participation. They, they were just making a movie that was And it became better. <laughs>
total of things happen first. <laughs> Now, she had, uh, had a degree 
Uh, Broadway was not in the moon period in the early 70s. That was a rough time. Um, so she was working this other job. So she just like fell in love with comics. And there was this comic book convention or this media convention slash whatever World Con had become. Um, and so she shows up and she had made this outfit. Um, and so she was going to enter this masquerade. Unfortunately, um, there was a little tension. This is, I think, the first time this might have happened in a competition. There was another person in the same costume. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that was like a tense moment. So tense that uh, Heidi's mother, who was very active in her cosplay career, uh, tried to get Angelique Vance from competing because her costume was scandalous. Um, she used a different S word <laughs> at the time. <laughs> uh, which is interesting because uh, on counterpoint for Angelique supporters, of which there were instantly many gentlemen ready to jump to her time. I was an
digital age, all right? But if you saw her live, you're like, that's my babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really creepy. Like, you know, I go home the following weekend, there's my, my babysitter, Gina, who was 16 years old, and I'm just sitting there in my eight-year-old head, picturing her in a drum girl, and I'm like, this is really disturbing. Starlet Witch statue that looks a lot like her. Mm -hmm. 
Redstone was
your nail polish over that for this pretty much the same effect for like maybe four bucks. Uh, nail polish technology has soared in recent years <laughs> in all honesty. Yeah. Uh, and in the, the magnetic nail polish where there's iron bits inside it, it has a uh, metallic sheen. So um, that's the sort of hobby making materials that just a few years ago you, you wouldn't have been able to do that with the products on the market. So. Yeah. Can you talk more about this Not something that's really like currently feasible on large scale, but like will be feasible. 
that you have or the budget that you have. It's about the love that you have. So the fact that you bought your 10th doctor dress, I own one of those. I love those things. She bought her 10th doctor dress at Hot Topic or similar. You know, I don't know. And those are fantastic. And those are adorable. And those don't make you any less of a fan in any way at all than the guy who got a custom-tailored suit and made his own coat or whatever. It's, you know, if it is up your alley to build stuff and sew stuff and make stuff, or if it's what you like, yay, yay you. But that's not all that becomes, you know, you're still a costume. You're wearing a costume. You know, it doesn't not count because it was mass produced or because it was simpler or because it was whatever.
Um, everyone, let me hear your final thoughts and also let the audience know where they can find you throughout the weekend and what projects you have coming up.
online at charlesbattersby.com or on Twitter at charlesbattersby with no Y on the end. I host the uh, GNN podcast on ShoddyCast every Thursday, and I write the ShoddyCast Fallout 4 series uh, for episodes every Friday. Uh, and I will be walking around tomorrow dressed as Elizabeth from Bioshock if she opened a tear into the Fallout universe. So keep <laughs> Alright, and we have maybe 30 seconds if someone throws their hand in the air and barks. One question, you! Alright, um, you said before about uh, costume pairing versus uncostume pairing, and I've been going to conventions for quite some time, and I noticed that the only time I've really seen, you know, there be tension is when uncostume fans fans of another um, fandom say, oh, how can you be a fan of that? Like, do you think that has any ability, or do you think that's just a smile around the thing? We just been out of time, so... Fans get rivals, they, they get... Oh my god, you like that? You don't like the same things that I do? What the hell? And when you're on, in a costume, you're wearing that fandom out there for everybody to see. So of course it's going to be there. It's going to be more awesome. Alright, your travels work. Yeah.